Oh, that is good coffee. Uh, welcome. Looks like we're live now. Welcome to last call of the day. Failure to stop's last call. This is the show where we give you all the political news for the week. Yeah, I'm wearing a Ninja Turtles ball cap. Yeah, it's nerdy. I get it. But when your kids buy you something, you wear it. If not for anything other than low-key, humble bragging to you that my kids actually care about me. That I might be a good father. Raising kids that probably aren't going to be school shooters. This is what happens when you have a relationship with your children. They buy you nerdy caps like this, and then you wear them live on a podcast for everybody to see on the YouTubes. Thank God that 99% of our listeners are on audio only. We have an amazing show for you today. We have uh, the FDA Slayer, Jonathan Emord, Jonathan Emord on today. Really excited. Got a lot of questions for him. He's running for Senate. Got a lot of people in the live chats today. Rip Pack, Ben Allen, Mur 530, Will Cray. You guys are stacking up. We appreciate you guys. If you want to support this show, you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon, subscribe to our YouTube. Patreon's got a lot of extra content. As for the show, you guys get five free shows a week. Brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack, factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack 50 50% off on the holidays from Factor Meals. And we also got Manscaped, promo code Wolfpack through the holidays. Uh, Manscaped loves us fourth quarter. They do it every year, and we always appreciate those guys. Rip Pack recently just sent my kids a whole bunch of stuff. Appreciate all the people that keep this show on the live, uh, keep the show on the road. But if you want to go the extra mile and support us, you can drop us a super chat. You can uh, go to our Patreon and you can go to our paid YouTube membership. And all of that money goes for us uh, traveling, doing all these public speaking events and comedy shows and things like that so that uh, law enforcement agencies don't have to pay us to do it. We can do it on our own. So all that money goes to a good cause. All this and more on today's Failure to Stop. Let's go. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. going to be a wild show today. I know, first of all, a lot of you guys just now getting in the live chats, you're like, Eric, what's going on? What are you talking about? You've got a you've got a special guest that may or may not be a future politician. What are you thinking, dude? What are you selling out? No, I'm not selling out. Listen, the guy's got a lot of stuff to say. I talked to his publicist for like over an hour and everything that this guy has on the docket. I'm interested in knowing more about. I've always said on this show, uh, dead leg, that knowing is half the battle. You got you to gotta be in the know if you're going to do anything. And I know that you're probably sitting in your cop car right now. You're sitting in the old meat wagon and the old red chariot, your little fire truck and all those things. And you're like, oh, are you serious? Are you serious? We don't come here for that. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Because we talk about politics on this show every week. So why not have a real life politician on here? Especially one that kind of maybe agrees with a lot of the things that we say on the show. Probably not everything. Absolutely, I would guarantee he doesn't agree with everything I say, but he might agree with some things. So anyway, yeah, I'm stepping out of the box. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a leap of, of faith, if you will, by allowing our first ever real politics. Listen, I've turned down so many politics, not because I disagree with them, but you guys know. You guys know how I feel about politics and politicians, but you, li- but you know what? There, there are certain people out there who are fighting the good fight, at least they present themselves to be doing that. And in this case, I found a politician. I did all my research. I talked to his publicist. I went through all of his web pages. I saw his book on Amazon, which by the way, he's got a few books on Amazon. One's hilarious. We'll talk about it. But I said, you know what? Finally, this might be a guy. This might be the one. This might be the guy. This might be the guy that I actually uh, go out and, and try to endorse or something like that. So, I, you know, I said to myself, self, let's have it on. Let's do it. Let's let's uh, try something new today. Let's try something new. Let's see how it works. If it sucks, if it fails, if I'm wrong, if Tanstradamus is wrong, you guys, you will hold my feet to the fire, no doubt. You always do. But I think my Tanstradamus prediction on this one, I feel good about it, and I feel like I've done my research. So without further ado, let me bring on Mr. Jonathan Emord out of, it's Virginia, correct? Correct. Virginia. What if I got that wrong right off the bat? I just tell everybody I did a whole bunch of research and then I'm like, 
out of Virginia? And he's like, no, it's Idaho. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mr. Emor, they call you the FDA Slayer. Right, the FDA Dragon Slayer. Yeah, that's uh, a title I really appreciate. I've spent 38 years practicing constitutional law, litigating against the federal government, uh, largely in instances where they violate individual rights. Um, the FDA Dragon Slayer moniker came from the trade press after I defeated the FDA record eight times in federal court on constitutional grounds. Uh, they were censoring health information indispensable really to the lives of babies and others. In the baby context, folic acid and the reduction in the risk of neural tube defects was the subject that would, the FDA did not allow into the market. And so women were having about 2,500 preventable neural tube defect births a year and countless NTD-related abortions. So when I sued the agency over that and defeated them in the landmark Pearson versus Shalala case, it opened up the marketplace to that information. And as a result, the instances of neural tube defect births, which are horrific, your brain outside your skull, your spinal column outside, your spine outside of your spinal column, uh, those diminished to uh, a level in the hundreds uh, annually instead of 2,500 and countless NTD related abortions were averted. So we've saved tens of thousands of babies as a result of that case. And I'm very pleased with the outcome. Uh, which is very special. And it's in a time when saving babies isn't always the coolest thing on the market. Uh, Mr. Emord, you're talking to a bunch of first responders out there, which means we're C minus students at best. So I do appreciate you breaking that down. Big bird to cookie monster for us. Um, folic acid. Where can we like, where does folic acid come from? Where, how does that work? So it's a B vitamin and um, it's not uh, commonly available. You, in order to get it in a bioavailable form, in a form your body can use, you have to take it as a supplement. So what we, we uh, argued for was a claim that 800 micrograms, that's a very small amount, 800 micrograms of folic acid daily uh, consumed by women of childbearing age in the form of a dietary supplement would reduce the risk of neural tube defect births by 80%. And the court agreed with us that the science supported the claim and that the FDA's censorship of it for over a decade had resulted in this loss, unnecessary loss of life and ordered the agency to allow it. The agency then refused to allow it because it was protecting the drug industry from competition from food products and supplements. And so we sued them again, and the court issued a very stern order the second go around, forcing them to allow it into the market. But so, what, what, and I, so I guess that's the is that the motive behind the FDA is that they'll lose money if a the FDA is very, very clearly the FDA is a captive of the drug industry. And as a result, uh, you have all of these problems with unsafe drugs in the market being allowed because big drug companies are pushing for them to be approved. Most people don't realize this, but the FDA does not actually test the safety and efficacy of any drug. It relies on the drug company sponsor of the drug application to do the testing. That's an inherent conflict of interest. And so we really have no independent check on safety and efficacy of any drug approved by the FDA. And the FDA really is a captive of the drug industry. Uh, Dr. David Graham, the FDA uh, Associate Director of Drug Safety, uh, testified as a whistleblower uh, before Congress, before Senator Grassley's committee. And he explained in detail that, for example, Vioxx, a painkiller, was allowed into the market even though the FDA medical reviewers raised serious questions about its heart toxicity. And then all this evidence came into the market about the heart, heart toxicity of Vioxx. The FDA commissioner, then the FDA commissioner, Lester Crawford, met with the FDA reviewers who were demanding action be taken to restrict its availability because of all this heart toxicity. And the FDA commissioner said to the reviewers, I'm so comfortable with the FDA's approval of this that I'm unilaterally approving it for use in pediatric rheumatoid arthritis patients, in kids with rheumatoid arthritis, in the face of all this evidence 
of heart toxicity. Uh, Merck on its own withdrew that drug from the market because of an avalanche of products liability suits. And that person who is the FDA commissioner, Lester Crawford, left FDA uh, actually because he didn't, he left in a scandal. But then he went to work for Policy Directions, Inc., which is a lobbying firm for Merck. So you see there's a revolving door here in Washington. It's very corrupt and it's very damaging. What we have in Washington today is a corrupt cabal that is more interested in themselves than in their country. What we need are people of integrity who will come into Washington and love this country and fight for it and fight for our first responders and for our police against this movement, which is designed to handicap them and their functions, to defund them and to deny them the, the ability to safeguard us, which is the, the intent. Soros and others who back my opponent, Tim Kaine, are keenly interested in defunding the police. They don't want the thin blue line that separates us from crime present. They want crime. They want to destroy our country. People have got to come to that realization. It's not a mistake that the borders are open. It's not a mistake that uh, there's the defund police movement. It's not a mistake that there is an anti-incarceration prosecutor agenda to get those elected. And now they cut. They have been elected 75 instances across the United States from Soros funding. It's not a mistake. These are people who do not believe in our way of living. They want to change it. They want us to be a socialist country. They want us to be their servants. And that's not how our republic was designed. They were supposed to be our servants. We were supposed to be the masters. And that, unfortunately, has been flipped on its head. And we have to get it back to the way it was intended to be. I appreciate all of that. That's why we... I mean, I would say that's why we kind of welcomed you onto the show when we heard about you. Uh, it is new to us to have a politician on it. I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat for it. Um, our fans aren't particularly happy with politicians in general, not in the oh, workplace. I, not- I, I might tell you, I hate that word politician simply because I'm not. I've never run for any political office in my life until presently. I had a conversation with Congressman Dan Burton, former head of the Government Reform and Oversight Committee. And I said, look, the last thing in the world I want to do, Dan, because he was urging me to do it, is run for office. I've never done it in my whole life. I've been suing the government my whole life. I came in in the Reagan administration as an attorney at the FCC to deregulate radio and TV. Then I went into the private sector. For the last 38 years, I've been suing the government where it's violated people's rights. And the last thing in the world I wanted to do is to get into the swamp and to be a part of this. But here's the story. So Burton told me, That's exactly why you have to do this, because he said, if you don't, then you're going to give up the country to these people who are a bunch of carpetbaggers who appropriately deserve the title politician. Uh, But no, I I don't want to be there. I want to be there only because I can get something done to save the country. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to get out of there. When I would go to Capitol Hill over the years as as an attorney, I would feel like I had to take a shower every time I came back home because... It is so disgusting. But if we're going to save our country, we have got to become active. And those of us who are private citizens who aren't politicians like me need to get involved and save the country. Otherwise, really, we have a very short period of time before we're going to become servants of this monstrosity that's out of control. I mean, people don't realize this, but two thirds of all, excuse me, three quarters of all federal law is not the product of those we elect anymore. It's the product of over 250 different federal agencies, departments, and bureaus that are unaccountable to the courts, the Congress, the American people. We have a bureaucratic oligarchy in America, not a republic. And we have to restore that republic that the, con- that the founding fathers gave us. If we're going to have freedom, if we're going to have law, rule of law and law enforcement, if we're going to have a safe country, borders that actually mean something, Uh, If we're going to have respect in the world, we have to stand up for freedom. And this is the time. So I think people in your audience are probably more interested in seeing integrity restored to government than anything else because they depend so heavily on government for their livelihood. And if you got a bunch of people who really could not care about the police one bit, in fact, they view the police as their enemies and they're running the show, well... It's not going to be long until everybody's suffering, right? 
So we have to change that. You, you just got back from the border. And I know that you've mentioned the border crisis a few times. What was, how long did you spend there? And what, what, what did you take away from that? So I spent several days there with the CBP chief. Uh, and this is what I discovered. And it is absolutely appalling. Not only are all these people pouring over the border and they're coming to the they're coming up to the border fence and they stand at the border fence and they say they want to seek asylum. Right. So then the CBP lets them in. They come into the United States. They put them on buses. They send them over to these human processing centers. All of the CBP agents just about have been removed from the border and put in these human processing centers. There's no we have no defense. Anyone can come across. Drones are coming over, big drones, giant ones that are military style used by the cartels, dumping drugs across the border day and night. Uh, there's all sorts of criminal activity, gangs coming through, MS-13, 18th Street gangs, uh, cribs, bloods, all sorts of criminals, sex traffickers, drug traffickers. And they're not just coming across, they're actually coming in seeking asylum. So what happens is you have all these people seeking asylum. They're not vetted at all. They put them in these uh, human processing centers, 130,000 square foot tent. It's just one tent. There are 13 or 14 tents, 130,000 square foot tent. They have pods. They call them pods in there. They're clear plastic rooms. In each one of those, there's like 100 or so of these illegal aliens. You see on their faces, you see oh, that's MS-13. You see all sorts of tattoos and stuff that indicate criminal involvement. They're required to presume they're they're totally legit. And this is what processing means. Get ready for this. Processing means taking each person, signing up, up for welfare, signing them up for food stamps, giving them cash. If you got a family of four, they'll give you about 3,000 some odd dollars in cash. In addition, they sign them up for free medical care. That's all this is at our taxpayers' expense. They sign them up for free education. They then ask them where they want to go. They give them a free phone that supposedly has a tracking device in it, but they made the tracking device so that you can easily take it out and the phone still works. The phone, they can call anywhere in the world with the phone, all at our expense. There's no limit to the life of the phone. Each one gets the phone. Each one gets the welfare. Each one gets the food stamps. Each one gets cash. Then they ask them where they want to go. And then depending on where they want to go, they send them to the bus station, train station, or to the airport. At those locations, there are federally funded non-governmental organizations, 100% funded by us, and they buy their tickets and they send them anywhere they want to go in the United States. Now, this is not a hundreds of billions of dollars like the Biden administration says. This is at least a trillion or more dollars annually. Because each one of these people is effectively getting a hundred, maybe a hundred and ten thousand dollars worth of benefits and federally funded uh, support each year. Right. And we are talking about. They say there are eight million illegals. That's way low, according to the CVP chief. He said we're looking at like twenty to thirty million right now. By the end of the Biden administration, there may be upwards of fifty million. Now that's that's way beyond what they're say, admitting to. But remember, they are keeping from us a massive amount of information, not least of which is what's going on in these human processing centers. If every American knew that they're paying like 100000 bucks for every single illegal alien they're letting into this country with no limitation whatsoever on the number that they will accept, I don't think they would be very pleased. But they keep that from us. You can't go into those human processing centers unless you have a special clearance to get in there. And they keep the press out. Yeah, I I recently had Yako Buyans on our, our podcast. He's real big in, in human trafficking, probably one of the, the leaders in human trafficking, uh, combating human trafficking in the world. And, and we talked about some of these uh, BlackRock facilities that are not, they're, they're NGOs, but it's all of the 18 and under, or, or the under 18 children who come across the border without families that are staying in these uh these compounds and the security force behind them are a, a Portuguese, uh, like a Portuguese security company. And there's no one allowed to be in and inspect them. And it was actually the governor of New Mexico found out about this uh, or, or 
was it Arizona? It was either Arizona or Mexico. And she was like, no, we're not, this isn't happening. But, but in Texas um, and in other States, these things are allowed, allowed to happen. You fought with, you fought against the FCC um, in regards to, to, to being able to speak freely on the radio or handle information or misinformation. What is your take right now on podcast platforms being regulated or social media being regulated on misinformation or yeah there's no power of the food and drug administration to regulate the internet uh i mean the food the federal communications commission there's no power under the federal communications commission act that affords fcc jurisdiction over uh the the internet and yet they're seizing it right they just they're proclaiming themselves as having that power now this is not unusual this has happened all over the whole you know bureaucratic state the administrative state but it is clear evidence that just how precarious our freedoms are. I mean, if a regulatory agency that does not have jurisdiction over the internet can suddenly seize that jurisdiction just by unilateral action without any statutory basis, which is what they're doing, um, you know, there'll be no end to the limitation. They'll begin using, of course, this whole disinformation thing as a justification for government censorship. This has happened not just in the internet context. We saw this whole thing happen with the uh, Biden administration and the Twitter files all throughout the pandemic. So we had no free information about criticism of the vaccines, about uh, information on, on early treatments. All of that was heavily suppressed by actions of the federal government. The greatest instance of censorship in our country has just happened, and they have an appetite for it like you would not believe. And so we have to rise up against it. We have to have litigation against it, but we also need new members of Congress in there who are going to wield the axe against the administrative state to stop this. It is endless. It is day and night, whether it's the Federal Trade Commission, whether it's the uh, Food and Drug Administration, whether it's the Consumer Product Safety Commission, whatever agency you want to look at, I can show you instances of gross uh, assumption of power beyond their statutes and violation of your rights. We are under siege. Those of us in this country who believe in freedom are in an extreme, uh, pre extremely precarious position because the government is unceasingly going after us. Do you feel any anxieties or fears over going again? I mean, do you feel like David going against Goliath? I mean, if you're, if you're going against Soros-backed politicians, you know, what does that look like for you? I mean, does that intimidate you at all? Or not in the least. I'm not intimidated in the least. I mean, I've spent 38 years fighting the federal government. I've gone up against the best attorneys the Justice Department has to offer. I've gone up against the deep state uh, and all of the efforts at trying to undermine me as a person and to really uh, bribe me or otherwise intimidate me have been used. I'm not a person who's going to be intimidated. I love my country. I love the Constitution. I believe in the rule of law. I don't believe in a two-tiered system of justice. And I don't want my children or your children to have to live in a country that has lost the Constitution and is no longer a republic. We have to fight for our country. There are many, I mean, many in your audience who fought for their country overseas, who fight every day for law and order in their communities, and who put their lives on the line. They're the heroes. All I'm doing is raising a fight in a, in, in a, a battle against a real villain, Tim Kaine, who's a Soros clone, uh, in order to save my own state, my own country. If people will vote me in, I'll do it. I'll save it. And I'm not afraid of anything. And I am not intimidated by anything. And I am committed to this no matter what. So as I tell my audiences across the state, uh, winning is not an option for me. Winning is a necessity because I believe it essential for us to save our country. That's why I'm doing this. And, and that's kind of what drew us to you uh, into bringing you on. Uh, I, I, and the way you speak on your website and the way you talk, uh, what, in, in your opinion, I'd like to throw this out there. Uh, recently, big news has been that Biden has reached out to influencers 
on social media, uh, mainly TikTok, right? The the devil of all social media platforms, TikTok. You know, he's having a real problem with trending hashtags. Um, recently, one of the hashtags that went viral was about the economy. A young man had uh, posted a picture of what he bought, a hamburger and French fries, and then showed a receipt a year ago and showed the, the price difference. And this, uh, this they, they tried to kind of squash this out of the algorithm. Uh, and now... The White House, and and this is a uh, this this is coming from a uh, DailyMail.com. There's a few other news sources out there, but it's uh, could TikTok sink Biden's 2024 chances? Gen Z influencers complaining about cost of living and property prices could sink president's reelection despite falling inflation. Now this was from the 18th, and then just yesterday, uh, the Biden administration released something about reaching out to influencers to have economic. Uh, to to post um, economy posts that are more positive, positive economy posts, if you will. So, you know, and I thought this is a great move from the Biden campaign. You don't see the right really using social media the way the left does. Why is that? Well, I think uh, part of the problem is that we are not a monolith. Uh, we are freedom advocates. And as a result, we disagree. Uh, as, and also we uh, tend to focus on substance rather than superficiality. Biden is selling Bidenomics just by saying Bidenomics is good. That's it. But the reality is, of course, that Bidenomics is brokenomics. I mean, the, the kids are understanding this. The next generation is appreciating, as you're pointing out. And they're not, they're not, they're not uh, misled by Biden. They know he's a complete buffoon. They know that he is overspent so massively that he's caused inflation. And they know that he's destroying the whole fossil fuel backbone of the American economy with a climate change agenda that's out of control, the result of which is to cause gas prices to leap upwards of $4 a gallon. And this is going to get worse. And they know it. And they know their future is at stake. So the solution to this problem is really rather straightforward. You cut government spending, you cut government regulation, and you liberate the marketplace you cut taxes, you allow people to keep more of their own money. And then the other aspect of this, which is critically important, is that you end this climate change agenda so that we have $2 a gallon gas again. At the start of the whole climate change thing, even the administration, even the climate czar, uh, John Kerry, admitted that no matter what the United States did, it would have no impact on climate. And so they destroy our whole economy with no impact on the climate. And indeed, there is no provable association between what they're doing and any effect on the climate. The only result is higher cost of living. So we've got to bring all that down. And I think that we can. We can break down the regulatory barriers. We can allow for energy independence to return. We can become a great power again. We can have our gross domestic product rise and we can have economic opportunity for every young person in this country. It just requires getting government out of the way. You know, Ronald Reagan brought me to Washington. I came to Washington to be at the FCC. And Ronald Reagan famously said the government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. And that is the same way then as it is now. Government is the problem. If we trust in individual liberty and freedom, we can achieve great things. That's why Ron Paul has endorsed me. We, we share that value. And a lot of young people all over the country are very much keenly interested in having a chance to make it in an economy that works rather than what Biden has given us. Biden is a disgrace. I mean, he has the chemical electronic activity in his brain of a house plant. He really is uh, terribly inept, but he's also very dangerous because he is a puppet of the far left that he's allowed to take over the administration. How do you see this next election coming forward? Like, do you have a, do you have an, we always call it a Tanstradamus prediction, Tansy, as in Nostradamus, Tanstradamus. Do you have an Emordamus prediction for the next presidential election? Yes, I think that unfortunately in 2024, the economy is going to worsen significantly. Most economists and most uh, financial advisors are predicting that very thing. And I think they're right. You can't spend like we're spending to the tune of trillions beyond the, the uh, budget. We have a $2 trillion national deficit annually, which is going to go up next year. 
We have a $33 trillion debt that's going to be even much higher next year. We have a, a shrinking availability of loans and lending. We have a gas prices going through the roof, grocery prices through the roof, and they're even cracking down on making available gas stoves and other things. I guess Kamala Harris is exempt. Uh, but the whole point is they are working as diligently as they can to screw up our lives. And the economy is a big part of that. And so next year, it's going to be much worse. What's going to happen? I think invariably we're going to see the American public is going to reject what's in there. Biden is not going to win re-election. As far as my own race is concerned, because Tim Kaine is a Biden clone and a Soros-backed Biden clone, I think he's going to go down to defeat. I think I'm going to beat him very soundly. And I think also I'm going to beat him soundly because Virginia has never seen a candidate like me before. I don't mince words. I tell people exactly what I think and they can like it or not like it. Thus far, every part of Virginia where I've spoken and presented my positions, the people have liked it in overwhelming numbers, which tells me that actually, even though in this uh, latest uh, state elections, there was, there was a loss for Republicans in Virginia, only a couple of seats, but it was decisional as far as control of the state legislature. The messaging was all over the place. But my message is very direct, very clear on all of the important issues. And the people of Virginia seem to respond to it very well. So we've done well. And I think we're going to continue to do well. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that I'm going to take down Tim Kaine because he is an enemy of our republic. He is an enemy of our liberties. And he is an advocate of this far left agenda, even though he packages himself as a moderate. He simply is not by what he has done. He could never have been a true moderate and have been a, a vice presidential running mate with Hillary Clinton. He could never have been a true moderate and have met at that time with Alex Soros and received approximately $100 million for the Clinton Kane campaign. He was the man who asked for the money. And he's also been funded by uh, Soros ever since he was the mayor of Richmond, which is 25 years ago. So he has the longest, most persistent relationship. In fact, if you go on uh, Instagram right now and look under Alex Soros, you'll find a picture of Alex and Tim standing together. And Alex writes on his Instagram post, I love this man. <laughs> so you, you, you'd mentioned that uh, you, you mentioned that they're trying to, to ruin our economy. They're trying to bring us down. They're, they're trying to destabilize uh, the police and, and the, the court systems, and everything like that. If they're going through those lengths, to do such evil deeds. Who's to say that anybody is going to win the next election? I know that sounds like a wackadoodle question to you, but as a layman, as a dude who talks to probably thousands of people a week, I hear it more often than not of, do you think they're going to allow somebody to just to waltz? And, that, and I think that's the problem. That's what a lot of Republicans or conservatives feel like today is that the conservatives really aren't aggressive enough. And the ones that are aggressive are on the wrong side of the table that, that the kind of the guys, you know, we're, they're allowing or what we perceive to be them allowing these kind of unjust things to continue to happen. Yeah, we've got problems. We have not only a, a Democrat party that's in lockstep moving towards a socialist state, but we also have Republicans who are cooperating with them in achieving that, largely because they fit the category of what are called rhinos. They fit the category of individuals who profit from big government and just in a different way. They profit from anti-competitive regulation. Big business benefits from that and pays them handsomely in donations and support. Those individuals are just as bad as the leftists who want to destroy our country. We have to save our Constitution. Our Constitution hangs by a thread. We have to save it. This is not an option. This is a necessity. If we want to be a free people, we have to win these elections. And by we, I mean we've got to take those who advocate big government and who have been playing this game of protectionism and get them out of the government by voting in the right people. Now, I know if I get in there, I'm going to have some allies. I'm going to have Rand Paul. I'm going to have Mike Lee. I'm going to have others who are uh, like Jim Jordan, 
who are activists want to make sure that legislation is introduced to reduce the size and scope of the federal government and free people and let them let individuals keep their own money. You know, Thomas Jefferson had the recipe for good government, as he referred to it, all the way back at the start of the found, you know, the founding of our country. He said, a wise and frugal government shall restrain men from injuring one another, shall leave them otherwise free to regulate their pursuits of industry and improvement, and shall not take from the mouth of labor the bread it has earned. He said, this is the sum of good government. And it is then and it is now. And the reason why it is, is because at the heart of our country, this is what defines us, is liberty. It's not equity. It's not ensuring equal outcomes, which is an utter disaster, because every time you pull down what is above, you do not uh, benefit what is below. You just reduce everything to a lowest common denominator. We need uh, meritocracy. We need exceptionalism. We need people to want to make America the greatest nation on earth. We need them in government. We need them in the private sector. We need this whole ridiculous mea culpa regime that is constantly flogging Americans and themselves for allegedly being colonists, colonial powers that have ruined the world. That nonsense, which is utterly false historically, needs to be eliminated in favor of getting back to work, getting back to making everything the best we can, defeat China based on economic supremacy. We can do it. We can help our country enormously. And it starts with breaking down government. It starts with ensuring that freedom reigns again. And if we do that, we will prosper. And if we don't, we're going to look like Venezuela in just a few years. Yeah. And I, and I guess like my, that kind of going back to my whole, my whole point, why, why I'm kind of angry with conservatives is there's not, you got to win the younger vote. I mean, you gotta, you've got to win the next generation vote. I don't see the Republic. I mean, other than you coming on a podcast, sure. Uh, that works. Uh, and we do have quite a number, uh, you know, I think our demographics like 25 to 43, which is a really large demographic for a podcast. Most podcasts are a little bit more narrow in scope than that. Uh, but what, what are Republicans, what are conservatives doing? Or uh, actually that shouldn't be my question. My question is why aren't they actively trying to pursue the younger generation? Well, I can only speak for myself and I know that I am. So I speak at Turning Point USA events. I go to college campuses. I'm talking to youth all the time. I meet with college Republicans. I meet with uh, various groups, like for example, Stand for Health Freedom, which has endorsed me as 570,000 uh, members, many of whom are under the age of 30. Uh, it's an interesting situation. Because I am so consistently an advocate of freedom, because I don't believe in uh, vaccine mandates or mask mandates, because I vigorously oppose that, because I believe that everybody who lost a job in the military or who was forced out of the military or, or physicians and doctors, nurses and healthcare providers all kicked out because they wouldn't get a vac the vaccine. I think that is a violation of their rights. And I would have federal legislation that would require those that receive federal funding, all the fire departments, police departments, uh, hospitals and the military to rehire and to give the promotions that were due and to give back pay to every single person who was driven out in violation of their rights, I believe. And yeah, so I mean, what, a, what a crazy time to be, you know, I, I served in the military as well. And my business partner still active duty military and was a tier one special operations operator, been on some of America's most elite missions. He was one of very few to refuse the vaccine at a, at a, a very high enlisted rank. Uh, E seven E eight rank, and and he was he went through the whole the whole gambit, and and he had to testify um, congressionally uh, because of his rank on on uh, that they were going to kick him out of the military. They moved him off of his tier one team, which by the way he had over fourteen combat rotations: Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. Like I said, he's been on and been a part of some of America's most elite missions, and. Uh, and and they really just they, for the whole year that he refused to get the vaccine, they moved him off of the teams. Uh, they put him in an administrative role. Uh, you know, they they constantly harassed him and and made life very very difficult for him and his family. Uh, only to now say, 
oh, even if you don't have the jab, you can still come back and being in the military. So you had a guy that's proven himself time and time again that they're kicking out. But then in the same token, guys who have never served or never proven themselves, they're just allowed to come in without any kind of a jab. Who's going to fight for that guy? I want to fight for that man because I believe that he's a hero and I believe he's indispensable to our military. I mean, it's, it's these elite people, and there are many, many in his same situation, of course, who were drummed out of the military. And then they scream about a shortage of qualified personnel in the military and a, a shortage of people they can you know, recruit. Well, it's because of these nonsensical things and the woke policies that they've in, insinuated throughout the military. We need to get rid of that. We need to get back to the making the best, most qualified, most powerful fighting force in the world. And, and ensure that people who were wronged, like this man, are put given the opportunity to come right back to where they were, given all the back pay that they otherwise would have had, given the promotions they would have received, and ensure that they're put back to where they should be. Because that is the way a country that appreciates the sacrifice made by these heroes treats them. You know, one of the things that I want to introduce as soon as I'm in the, the Senate is a bill that will exempt from taxation, both federal and in cooperation with the states, I would hope the states, but certainly the federal, on the federal level, the federal taxes, to any spouse of a, a enlisted man or a person who served uh, his country in the police uh, or in the fire department or as a first responder from any taxation for the rest of their lives. So if they died in duty, in the course of duty, and they were serving their country, their country should not ask the spouse to carry the burden of taxation because they have given the ultimate price. And this is what we need to do. We need to change the culture in this country. We need to emphasize what is is being done for us by those in the armed services and by those in the police and first responders. We had a moment in time before this whole pandemic when all of these people were celebrated appropriately, but we're not given all the just desserts they deserve, but they were they were given a celebration because of what they were doing for us. And then all of a sudden, these government policies came into play, all the censorship, and then they start drumming everybody out of the military. And I have many, many friends who are in the officer corps, enlisted corps, enlisted men who were driven out because they were smart enough to realize I'm not going to accept being forced to get that jab. And look at how many injuries have happened as a result of the vaccine. The ma- vaccine predictably uh, caused all these injuries. We had. Now, all- I'd like to, to talk to you on that real quick. So, how do you, how do you get to say those things? I mean, I mean, and you're not really all that big on social media, are you? You're not really easy to find on social media, are you? Uh, I'm not the most popular guy in the country, that's for sure. But I wish. But yeah. I, wish yeah, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's probably because you say things like what you're about to say. Uh, how do you plan on campaigning and saying those things? What is your strategy to get around that? And I ask you this just because you're used to fighting the FCC and the, Look, for, for I, saying, I, for being allowed I, I, to say the things that you're about to say. I am not going to be a party to the censorship of truthful information about health issues. I'm not going to do it. The reality is the vaccine is a dud. Why do I say that? Remember, they lied to us over and over again about the vaccine. They said, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to get COVID. Of course, a huge number of people who are vaccinated got COVID. They said, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to transmit the disease, that you're not going to be a carrier. In point of fact, you are a carrier. They said that if you're if you wear a mask, uh, you're going to diminish the chance that others will get infected or that you'll be infected. That was a total lie. The evidence just doesn't exist for that. Then they said wear two masks. Then they said wear three masks. The whole thing surrounding this is a is a tragedy that begins with a five-letter word that should be treated like a four-letter word and should never be said in the presence of children or anyone else. And that's Fauci. Fauci, which is an F word, Fauci is to blame for the greatest act of betrayal of our country. Mm. And why do I say that? Mm. Because Fauci worked with the communist Chinese to develop, through gain-of-function research, the COVID virus. 
and then also enabled others and himself, it appears, to profit off of the vaccine. And the vaccine, by the way, was understood from the start to have so many problems. Just ask Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone, who has endorsed my candidacy. Probably one of the best, probably one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to. And so what we need to do in this country is be honest with the American people and explain that the vaccine is not the solution and that, in fact, several solutions that exist, not least of which is ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which were understood to be very efficacious worldwide and has, has resulted in substantial reduction in the loss of life associated with COVID, those things were suppressed by our government. You know, in a free, open marketplace of ideas in which scientists and others can present their information, we would have had, had that been the, the way we existed under COVID, we would have had all sorts of methods for treating the specific symptoms that were manifested by people with the COVID virus. You know, the, the virus has so many different kinds of symptoms depending on the person. And we were treating it with a one-size-fits-all approach, which was simply ordering everybody to get vaccinated. And it didn't work. The, tra the trajectory of the disease was the same. Despite enormous numbers of people getting the vaccine, we still had 1.2 uh, million deaths in America and around the world, millions of deaths. The vaccine's a dud. Yeah, I mean, going back to Dr. Malone, uh, and he took a lot of heat. I, and I think what he had to leave the CDC or he left, did he leave the CDC on his own or was he? No, he was used the whole time. I mean, he, ever since he started to raise questions, he, he, he's the inventor essentially of the, the platform. Right. The he owns, uh, platform. The was he have like the patent to the MR, the MN, yeah. MRNA? Brilliant scientist. He came up with that and he understood its limitations and he appreciated that it would be a disaster to use that as the platform, simply because if you invite your own DNA to create spike proteins, he understood that that would create a very dangerous scenario, which we now know because science has proven it, that it's not what they told us. They told us that when you get the vaccine, it's localized to the point of injection and that there it would develop antibodies and that the creation of this artificial spike protein would, would dissipate and disappear from your body within a very short period of time. What we now know is that they lied to us. It doesn't just stay in your arm. It goes throughout your whole body, into your brain, your lungs, everywhere, and that it produces inflammation effects and that the generation of spike proteins is not stopped by some artificial assumed period. It goes on and on. Sometimes for six months or more, people are still being producing spike proteins. What does that mean? That means that they're constantly creating inflammation effects in their body. What does that mean? That means if you're borderline on any number of diseases, that that inflammation effect can actually trigger those diseases. So we see in the Pfizer information, which they were forced to produce, they said they didn't want to produce it for 100 years, 99 years. The FDA was all for that. Keep it quiet for 99 years. They were forced to release that information. We have adverse effects of all kinds. And by the way, the third most common adverse effect that, that, that Pfizer listed was COVID itself, which we now know the vaccine reduces your immune system and you become more vulnerable to, the, to contracting COVID. So, I mean, there's a lot here that the American public needs to know. And we need to stop lying, saying that this is safe and effective. The reality is it is not. It is a big dud and worse than a dud. A lot of people have suffered adverse effects from the vaccine, not least of which is death. So, look, the truth hurts. It's a sad story that we spent trillions on this thing. But we need to know the truth. And look, I'm not against allowing people to get vaccinated if they want to. I just want them to have full information. I want them to know the risks they're assuming. Just like with every other drug, they are entitled to know the risks before they take that vaccine. And when it comes to kids, there's no excuse for vaccinating kids. The risks need oh, any potential benefit by in spades. And yet here we are, virtually every school in the country requiring kids to be vaccinated year after year. It's just insane.
Yeah, my kids, uh, my kids are all under 10 years old, but they skateboard and they skateboard competitively. And uh, they got an opportunity to travel out of the country for a amateur, a pro amateur skateboarding event. And, and it was going to be paid for by the people who sponsor my children. And, and so when we started looking into this, you had to be vaccinated. The children had to be vaccinated to go to that country. And, and we said no. And I think it's so crazy that entire countries like Canada would force that vaccine knowing, knowing like Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone and all of these other top CDC doctors, they have told you the dangers of, of giving this, this vaccine to children. And yet an entire country will mandate that all the kids be vaccinated. Yeah, what that does is put those drug manufacturers that make that vaccine in the driver's seat at the expense of the health and welfare of our entire juvenile population. And it is it is brutal. And, and, and they won't admit the truth about the vaccine in youth. The rest of the world knows. We know ourselves scientifically. It's not like that information has not ultimately come into the public domain. And so without any proof of efficacy whatsoever, they do this. Look, the boosters haven't even been tested. They're, they're, they're distributing boosters with no safety and efficacy testing at all. That's how corrupt the FDA is. That's how corrupt the CDC is. And that's how corrupt this administration is. It's all about power. It's all about control. It's all about ensuring that individuals become sheep so that they can be manipulated. That's what it's really about. Well, we know that the government is full of lies, but let me tell you the truth. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up for fast for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Chef-prepared. These are chef-hand-prepared, fresh, never-frozen meals. dietitian approved Maybe you can tell us what dietitian approved means after this ad read. Ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time. Eat well well and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tracking all your holiday to do's. Are you too busy with the holidays plan? Are you too busy for holiday plans to cook and do all the things for your own lunch? Look, factor is meal planning to the next level. Instead of going out and trying to go and buy the shrimp and then buy the chicken and then buy the cheese and then buy the potatoes and then buy the bacon and do all the things and then do it for the whole week so that you can look good. You're calorie conscious or you're gluten free or vegetarian or high in protein. If you're one of those lifter crossfitter guys, listen, instead of taking all that time away from your family, which you've already spent too much time away from your family, especially during the holidays, go to factormeals.com and get these chef prepared meals. Listen, there's a, there's like 300 menu items on this site. And like I said, you could do calorie conscious. You could do vegetarian. If you want to, you could do protein heavy and you can pick out meals that are freshly delivered to your door for the whole week. You can do three meals a week, five meals a week, seven meals a week, whatever it is that you got to pack up your shift, head over to factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack50 and get 50% off. Head to factormeals.com slash Wolfpack50. Use that code Wolfpack50, get 50% off. Uh, and yeah, anyway, so we really appreciate Factor Meals. Uh, what does dietitian approved mean? Registered dietitians are those that uh, achieve a certain level of education, usually at the baccalaureate level, no higher. And um, they review. Is it going to be dietitian approved or does it not mean anything? Uh, it means a little bit, but it doesn't mean as much as it would if you were certified by, say, the uh, board for the Certification of Nutrition Specialists, which is only available to graduate level nutrition experts. Um, I, I'm on the well, I've recently uh, left the board, but I was for 25 years on the board of the board for the Certification of Nutrition Specialists. And um, that's the graduate level certifying board. But nonetheless, um, those who have a bachelor's degree in nutrition oftentimes get a registered dietitian credential, RD, and they know a little bit about nutrition, not as much as the graduate level people, but enough to talk to you about basic food groups and so forth. Sure. I uh, One, going back to the factor meals things, I, I don't know if you've ever tried them or not. You should definitely look them up. They're absolutely, I'm not even kidding. Like they're so good that my wife tries to replicate the uh, the recipes for my individual factor meals to make it for the whole family. Because fact only sends me 
the meals they don't send uh you know my kids and my wife the meals and so my wife tries to recreate the recipes because they taste just that good we actually had a full we just had one yesterday not a factor meal but my wife recreated the recipe yesterday it was, it was really good um but going back on the factor meals thing i mean they taste they taste fresh they taste healthy they look healthy they have all the colors all the things that you need um but I was talking to a pediat a doctor. She owns a PD. She's a pediatrician, but she owns a pediatric practice. And she was telling me that they probably spend five days on nutrition, getting your doctor degree and everything else is pharmaceutical. And anytime that she would try to bring it up, uh, not only would she be shut down, but she would get disdain from the professors and and like hey you know she tried to she tried to talk about yoga or try to ask questions about other you know not like you know medically i, I mean how, i don't know what, what do you what would you call things like yoga and things like that so um, there's there's allopathic medicine which is the conventional medicine largely dependent upon drugs and then there are integrative medicine approaches and there is non-traditional medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, herbal medicine uh, that introduces the use of food elements. Um, and the reality is the science shows uh, that a lot of food elements have therapeutic effects. We talked about folic acid, which is a B vitamin and how profoundly beneficial that is in reducing neural tube defect births. I have some 30, 32 health claims I've gotten through either by suing the FDA or by uh, the FDA capitulating, where uh, the associations are strong. For example, I won the case related to omega-3 fatty acids reducing the risk of coronary heart disease. Fish oil, omega-3 fatty acids are very effective anticoagulant, antithrombotic, and antiarrhythmic agents. And when taken by people can very well improve their health and reduce their risk of coronary heart disease. So much so that the evidence we submitted to the FDA, we also submitted to the Office of uh, Management and Budget. And the OMB did something exceptional based on that evidence, which was sent to the FDA, what's called a prompt letter, where the OMB said the evidence is so strong for the association that we want you to act promptly on this because it could save in the language of the OMB, 100,000 Americans from preventable uh, sudden death heart attacks each year. So you see there are, the, the line is artificial and it's in the statute between foods and drugs. The reality is that food elements have therapeutic effects. And depending on how we ingest uh, food daily, it largely affects our longevity. Uh, there are other factors, of course, that affect longevity. But so, for example, the people that are making the products that you're talking about probably work diligently with a number of scientists to come up with formulations that are designed to maximize antioxidants and omega-3s and other beneficial nutrients in the diet so that you get the benefits of a high-quality diet in a way that's very hard to do to make it taste good at the same time. But there's a real art to this. And there, there are a lot of companies that are in this line, not not enormous number, but a lot, and they are making our lives better. And the problem with the government is that it's engaged in the business of censoring that information. So we, it, it, what we ought to be able to do, if you know, if I succeed in this mission and get into the United States Senate, I'll be introducing legislation to get rid of the FDA's jurisdiction over health claims, so they can't censor this information. You should be able to go into the grocery store. And when you pick up a, a, an orange, have next to it a plaque that, that gives you, okay, there's these antioxidant vitamins that are contained in this orange and phytochemicals. These things have been associated with a reduction in these kinds of cancers. And, uh, and then when you go over to, say, uh, get uh, uh, potassium, potassium citrate supplements, it can talk to you about the association between potassium citrate, which is also in lemon juice, and reduction in the incidence of... Uh, uh, kidney stones that are calcium-based kidney stones, calcium oxalate kidney stones. A lot of people don't know this. And as a result, they actually are injured by the lack of knowledge. We talked about folic acid, but in the case of uh, potassium citrate, for example, a lot of people have kidney stones. They're calcium oxalate kidney stones, very painful. And what they don't realize is that actually potassium citrate in large enough doses can help prevent the formation of calcium oxalate stones. 
and and can reduce the incidence of, of kidney stones. That's just one example. There are literally thousands of examples of scientific evidence that's come to light associating foods, nutrients with health benefits or with reduction in disease or even treatment of disease. And yet you can't say that in the marketplace because the FDA has a prior restraint, a censorship that forces anyone who wants to tell the truth to go to the FDA and get the government's approval. And that's absolutely against what the plain intended meaning of the constitution is the first amendment. Absolutely. And I've been fighting it my whole career, but it's still there. It persists decision after decision. They carry on anyway. And that's why the deep state, the administrative state, has got to be our enemy if we believe in freedom. Well, I love it. We love everything we have to say, so much so that we have you on a couple more shows this week. Friday, we have our case breakdown. That's the biggest show on this channel. We're going to break down a major case. And I'm sure uh, that you'll bring us a, a pretty interesting case to, to break down. Uh, I think uh, Joni had, had already mentioned a couple of ideas to me. So I'm, I'm excited for Friday. And then for Night Shift TSI, real quick, just to plug that show, it's separate from Fair to Stop, but it's with Conservative Ant. Um, and that is our new uh, Night Shift Top Secret Information Show. You were on George North. That was let me let me leave me be transparent and not lie to, to our listeners here. Listen, I'm a huge George Nori fan. I would not be a podcaster had it not been for the legend himself, George Nori on uh, Coast to Coast uh, AM radio. I I lived all my night shifts. That's why I named the show Night Shift was because when I was on Night Shift, I listened to George Nori. You got to be on George Nori's show. I'm extremely jealous. Um, and I'm hoping one day to be putting in contact with George. Uh, I actually sent him an email a couple of years ago when I was podcasting on a major network, um, my first podcasting job. And I had sent an email. Just, just it, was, it was through the network that he was on at the time. And I just said, hey, man, listen, I wouldn't be a podcaster. I didn't get a response. I didn't expect one, but I just wanted to put it out there because I never thought in a thousand years I would be getting to do kind of what George Norrie does. Um, and so as I'm excited to have you on Night Shift TSI to go through some top secret information and interview you in my best George Norrie uh, impression as I can possibly be. But we thank you so much for being out there. Real quick, though, how was it being on George Norrie's show? Oh, I, I've loved it. I, I think I've been on there some 20 nine times. Uh, it's been fantastic. George is a fantastic journalist, as you know. And uh, although the although many people think coast to coast, they think of UFOs and that sort of thing. Well, it's not just UFOs anymore. Uh, coast to coast deals with a lot of meaty issues. Right. They've had me on there a number of times to talk about FDA censorship or about uh, legislation that violates your rights. Um, and I've really appreciated that. I think George is great. I agree with you. He's really one of the most remarkable journalists in American history. Yeah, completely. Uh, he's he's one of the best interviewers of all time. And I like not a lot of people know that, you know, they, they, you think of like you think when you think of like great interviewers, you might think of like Joe Rogan or I mean, maybe even Howard Stern, I like him or hate him. He's still like good interviewer. He's what well, he used to be he used to ask really great questions. But George Norrie as an interviewer just has a way of allowing people to talk and He's allowing very, them to talk freely without like putting judgment into his questions. It's very fair and unbiased. And I don't think that's easy to do. And I, I really, I'm very privileged. He's not only endorsed my, many of my books, he actually endorsed my candidacy. And I'm very grateful for that. George is a, George is a remarkable person, as you're pointing out. He, he does have a way with words. He's able to simply uh, uh, present questions not in complicated fashion, and he's able to elicit information and to make it clear to the audience. So it's no wonder that he has one, I think, what the largest nighttime radio audience uh, in the country. Yeah. And 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 listen, uh, there are plenty of nights where I say, well, it would be raining and I would be sitting behind the church in my cop car, you know, on a Monday night when you're not getting any calls. And I would, I would have a, such a tight hold on my steering wheel from listening to whatever stories being told on George Norrie's thing. And I would be almost more exhausted in a shift of just listening to George Norrie than I would be actually fighting crime because, uh, you know, some of those stories are so spooky and, you know, it, it it's just the, uh, and so but you've got a couple of books out. Um, let's plug those really quick. I want to talk to you on Friday about your Christmas book, but really quick, where can everybody find you? What books do you have out and what, what can people do to support you? 
So to support me, you can go to emord4va.com and no matter how little a donation you could make, or if you can volunteer, if you're in Virginia, uh, sign up to do that there. There's a contribute button that you can donate through. And then there's also an opportunity to, to be a volunteer. So that's emord4va.com. The books are available uh, through Amazon. Uh, my latest book, The Authoritarians, through Amazon, Walmart.com, um, numerous uh, outlets. Um, and then there is a series of other books. So I've written, I think, seven total books, five of which are critically acclaimed serious books about law and government. Uh, the other two are humorous. One is called How Biden Stole Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa Two, And uh, then the other one is Who Am I?, which is the untold story of Tim Kaine, what he would have to say about himself if he took truth serum. Oh. Uh, and uh, that one's a real, it's it's true. It's all true. Wow. But it's the untold story of Tim Kaine. Well, we're going to get into those. I want to talk more about those books on Friday with you because I feel like that's going to be very interesting. Listen, we appreciate having you on. We appreciate everything that you do fighting the good fight. Uh, if you guys have questions, this is just your first of two shots at uh, the future, hopefully the future Senator Jonathan Emord here. If you have questions, hit me up on the Failure to Stop, either the Last Call Instagram page or just the regular Failure to Stop page if you have questions that you want. But uh, Friday, we're going to be breaking down a case. But I will open it up to time real quick, though. We have Bosco Autry in the chats over here today. Ryan Aloso, who I guess has been sick. So uh, we appreciate you still tuning in, even though you've been very sick. Uh, Michael Hendricks, uh, Falconator, a couple other. I'm not going to keep scrolling up all day. But listen, the point is that we appreciate all of you guys being in the live chats. And for all you first responders out there doing the Lord's work, uh, stay safe, guns up, giddy up, and we'll see you. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Jed, like real quick, do, tomorrow, do they have a, the new sports show? Is that coming out tomorrow or is that next week? We do. They pre-recorded that last night. So we so do have tomorrow, a very special brand new, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Dead leg. Yeah. Tomorrow they pre-recorded it, John. And I don't know if you want to give out the other person, but John is on it and somebody oh, else is on person. it. Well, there's another host. Mr. Kiefer, my, my co-host from down the pool is coming out and he's going to be co-hosting the sports show with John and they pre-recorded both or pre-recorded, I think an hour and a half of it yesterday. John said is it's going to be come out of a pilot episode, but we'll see. Gotcha. So that's going to be coming out tomorrow. Listen, maybe I am selling out. That. Maybe I'm selling out. I hate sports. I'm not really a, a big sports guy uh, aside from rugby. And now we have a sports show coming on the network. So I, and now I've got a politician on. Listen, I've got a lot of self-examining to do in the next couple of weeks. It's late in the year. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, but look, I, may, I wouldn't have put it out there if you guys weren't asked for it. Just because I hate sports doesn't mean our audience hates sports just because I can't stand politicians. doesn't mean our audience can't. And listen, I, I'm glad the first politician we have on here also hates the word politician. So maybe that's a little bit of saving grace for myself. But uh, listen, I will do some self, uh, I will reflect on, on my current behaviors here, guys. And I promise you, I'm not selling out. Join us tomorrow for the sports show. Join us Friday for case breakdowns. Jonathan, it's been an honor. Thank you, sir, so much for being here with us. We really appreciate you. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Thank <laughs> you.